want to look at me and just look at this side. <laughs> and try to avoid it. It's getting better, but uh, it's going to take a little while for it to look better. So anyway, we're in the book of Jonah. And congratulations, we've come to the end. We are in lesson number 20 of a four-chapter book, uh, verses 9 through 11. So we're going to finish up the book of Jonah. Uh, I don't know what we're going to start off in for September next week or what we're going to do, but we may do it verse by verse and, uh, you know, from Genesis to Revelation or something. <laughs> It'll only take us about 27 years. <laughs> we would make it. Uh, so uh, remember then uh, what we've talked about at the beginning that uh, the book of Jonah reveals much about uh, our relationship with the Lord uh, and more about God, of course. And even when we are reluctant to do our part in seeing the lost sinner saved, God is merciful and compassionate and not willing that any should perish. And our narrative verse has always been 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but long-suffering to his usward, uh, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So when we look at this in verse number 9, if for those of you who haven't been here before going through this, so uh, <clears throat> Jonah was upset and angry with God uh, and uh, because the people repented. The whole city repented, sackcloth and ashes, and everybody wanted to be spared from God's wrath that was to come according to the words that Jonah told them. So he decides to stay there a little while just to see exactly what actually happens, probably thinking that they're not going to repent like they said. And instead of going home, going back to where he was and doing other things that God wanted him to do, he just said stay there. <clears throat> and so... Our last lesson, God uh, brings out this gourd or plant above him. He builds this little shelter, like a shepherd's shelter. It's something he can use to stay out of sun while he's there. And then God brings another plant that gives him a lot more shade and comfort. But the next morning, he also prepares a worm to uh, eat the plant. And then it immediately is gone. And he, he also brings a, a strong wind of heat upon Jonah and Jonah says you know I, I you know I don't need this just I, just kill me just if, if that's what you're trying to do just kill me <laughs> that's what, basically what he meant when he was what he said so verse number nine it says and God said unto Jonah dost thou well to be angry for the gourd and he said I do well to be angry even unto death uh, so in verse number four God first asks doest thou well to be angry? Meaning, is it right for you to be angry with me or at God? I mean, that's, that's where it started. Uh, and then Jonah does not answer during that, those verses. But God decides to stay, I mean, uh, does not answer God, but he decides to stay and see uh, what will take place. Uh, he's sure that the people are not actually going to repent, but go back on their ways as soon as they see the time frame expire. If you remember that Jonah went through there and said, you know, uh, your, 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 your time's just about up. Uh, God's going to destroy this place. Uh, and so in Jonah's mind, he's thinking, you know, let's just see what they really do. And then I can point my finger back to God and say, see, you had mercy on him. Everything is still as wicked as before. 
you know, we're all just wasting our time. Um, that was kind of his attitude about it all. Uh, in verse number 9, God asked him, Doest thou well to be angry for the gourd? Meaning, Jonah, you started out angry at me. Now you're angry over this small gourd and what happened to it. You know, see, big things always start affecting little things in our life. And, and for Jonah and for us as well, it could be all for selfish reasons. So when you become angry at God, it will cause you to get angry at everything else. I mean, it starts with God, and because you're mad at God, it just trickles down to everything else in your life, and even just the little things will bother you. You'll become an angry, lonely, grumpy person that is bothered by every circumstance of life. From not getting the promotion, maybe, that you deserve to spilling coffee on your shirt. Uh, you may get angry about it all and never see what God is doing for you. Everything will seem dark, bleak, and not worth dealing with any longer. I don't know if you've ever been there, but that's exactly what happens, is that because it started off you're angry at God, and sometimes like Brother Ed testified for and others know as well, it could be because of some tragedy to happen in your life maybe a loved one passed away maybe something else passed away or left and some yeah exactly yeah exactly you know you thought you're going to have your wife come in the states and uh that just all blew up and and you know and it, if you lash out at god and say you know because uh, you don't understand and we feel like god could have changed the circumstance God didn't have to ha let it happen the way he did. God could have made it work in our favor for a change. That's how we're feeling. And so then you get upset, and it just trickles down to every little thing. And so uh, you'll just have one, you know, you, you're eating, um, and you drop your plate of food or something, and you'll just curse and blow up and throw the dishes against the wall and everything else because you're just so angry. Every little thing now is going to bother you until you get right with God. Uh, and that's what Jonah's doing. He was angry at God still. And then with this little plant episode that happened in his life, he's just so upset and mad and angry, he still wants to die. And here in verse 9, Jonah does answer back to God and saying, Yes, it is right for me to still be angry. He defends his right to be angry and desire to die. So, you know, we could get to that point in our life where we feel like, uh, you know, God, you just, you just, everything's all messed up and you're just not willing to make it right. And I should, I can't, I should be angry. I mean, why, who else would not, and we begin to uh, try to um, convince ourselves that our anger is justified and, you know, because of the, the things that God allowed to happen or didn't do in our life or whatever it was, we justify it, and we say, yeah, we are right. You know, we're right to be angry. I mean, we, this is not right. I deserve better. You know, this is not, this is not what should have happened to me. I've been the faithful one. I'm not like David. You know, I'm, I'm the one. I've been faithful. I'm just kidding, brother. <laughs> this time I didn't want to pick on him for a change. Pick the other bearded one. They got another bearded one in the back, so we'll pick on that one too. <laughs> but they, they, you know, uh, it gets to our point in our life that we've just 
everything that bothers us. I don't know if you've ever seen those type of people that are just so grumpy all the time. They're just so mad all the time. They're just so upset all the time. And if you could really go back in their life and follow the trail, it'll end up starting with they were mad at God because of something. And, you know, of course, lost people that, that don't want to accept Christ as their Savior and get saved, they're also the same ones that get mad at God, the one they don't really believe in. But they're the first ones that get mad at God. And then you visit with them or you test, you know, t- uh, try to witness to them or something, and they're so... You know, they're, you know, they're just so mad at God because they always use the excuse, well, you know, if God really exists, why are all these bad things happening in this world? You know, and they just blame everything on God, uh, even though they don't really know God. The Proverbs 14, 17 says, He that is soon angry dealeth foolishly, and a man of wicked devices is hated. Now, Proverbs 29, 22 says, An angry man stirreth up strife, and a furious man aboundeth in transgression. Ecclesiastes 7, 9 says, Be not hasty in thy spirit to be angry, for anger rests in the bosom of fools. And that's what we end up living our life as because we're just so mad at how everything worked out. And you think about in Jonah's case, it wasn't technically anything personal that, it was just because he felt like, like he mentioned a few verses before, like, Lord, I'm just wasting my time here. I knew you were going to have mercy on me. I knew you, were gonna, you weren't going to destroy the city. And then we went through all this trouble. You know, everything is a trouble to Jonah. And, and now you're saying you're going to spare him, just like I said you were going to do. And it's, you know, it's all a big waste of time. And we can feel like that sometimes when we start to witness to some people or, we go out and give out a tract, a door knock, or whatever it is, invite people to church. And maybe you've been doing that for 10, 12, 15 years, 20 years. And if you don't see the good and how God used all that, all you're going to be focusing on how many people you talked to or witnessed to or gave a tract to that never showed up for church. That's all you're ever going to see. You're not going to see that maybe they got saved years down the road because God doesn't reveal that to you. But And you, maybe you're just planting a seed. But it can bother you to the point where you're just not going to go anymore. You're just not going to do that anymore. It's not worth it. Nobody's listening. No one cares. This is a big waste of my time. So in verse number 10, it says, Then said the Lord, Thou hast had pity on the gourd, uh, for, the, for the which thou hast not labored, neither made it to grow, which came up in the night and perished in the night. In, 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 the, in the night. Sorry, I can't read you. <laughs> <laughs> came up in the night and perished in the night. So our response and reply to God always will reveal our heart's intentions. When God asks us a question, of course, he's not asking because, again, we mentioned this a few lessons back because he needs to know the answer. He's asking the question because he's trying to reveal something in your heart. And we looked at that, some examples of that before. So here we are, God's, asking him, are you right to be angry? He says, yeah, I, I'm perfectly right to be angry. Uh, and, and then he says, thou hast had pity on the gourd, and you didn't do anything. God understands that Jonah is angry at him. He's still angry at him. God knows Jonah is selfish and only gets pleasure from things that he receives and did not have to work for. God is exposing the heart of Jonah. He is reminding Jonah that he is not to do uh, not 
he did not do anything to make the gourd, but it was a gift from God. And sometimes we forget about that. We think because of how talented we are, how educated we are, how good we are, how uh, great we work with our hands, how we can build something from nothing. We're a great uh, welder. We're a great builder. We're a great uh, engineer, whatever it is. And we don't realize that we're good at what we do because God made us that way, not because we're anything. But we can look at ourselves and say, hey, we're really good at this and bring it to the point where we start uh, elevating ourselves and how good we are and how good we can accomplish something and not realize it was nothing of our work that got us here. It wasn't anything that we did to, to help us in our situation. It was blessings from God in our life, whether long-term or temporary. God gave us those blessings that we could be uh, successful in the work that we need to do for God. That's what it's all about. He may give us other talents and abilities we can use so that we can make a living. Uh, some make a living with their hands. Some make a uh, living with their minds. Some make a living with their mouth, you know, go to radio or something, <laughs> news broadcast or something, and, you know, or singing or whatever it is. And we got all these different abilities that we have, and we could get to a point in our life where we think we're somebody, and we're good at what we do because of how uh, all the great decisions that we made in our life. You know, if I've talked to a multitude of people like that, where they felt like, you know, because, you know, well, everybody else, you know, was just, you know, I, I did this. I invested my money wisely. I did this. I did this. I did this. And they're always pointing to themselves and everything they did and why they're successful in life because of what they did. And I'm thinking, well, all that success would be gone in a moment when you drop dead. <laughs> no one's going to care what you did. And no one's going to remember your name in a few days. Uh, and and that can happen if we don't leave uh, something behind. That's a different category, story. But uh, we got to leave a, a legacy or landmark, something behind for our family, children, church, whatever, to carry on for the next generation. That's what God does. So God is reminding Jonah, you didn't do anything for this gourd. I gave it to you, and I can take it away. Uh, God questions uh, uh, Jonah here again in verse number 11. So it says, And should not I spare Nineveh, that great city, wherewith are more than six score thousand people, a persons that cannot discern between their right hand or their left, and also much cattle? See, God questions uh, question that Jonah will pierce his heart to help him understand the plan, decision, and mercy of God. Uh, we, again, we talked about that before, but we'll never understand truly what God is doing. Uh, we only see our world and our little life and um, what God's doing, and when things go bad in that little bubble of ours, that's all we can see. We don't see the whole picture why God allowed this to happen, why this cer certain way that it happened that God allowed it to happen. Uh, and, but God has a bigger picture in mind. There's many or other people that he's reaching or influencing because of your circumstance and your little bubble, but we don't always have a way of seeing that. But we have to understand whatever God decides to do for our life is the right decision. I mean... Every good gift, every perfect gift comes from the Father above. We know that he only works 
good in our lives for them that love him. We, we know that everything he gives us is the right thing, the best thing for us. And if it doesn't go well for us, there's a reason for that, probably a multiple number of reasons, but there's a reason for that, and we have to accept it and realize that's what's going on uh, and let God do his plan. So God's still, over all the circumstances, still trying to help Jonah and reach Jonah and have a heart change in Jonah, even though Jonah doesn't understand anything that God is doing. So from, God, uh, from Jonah's perspective, it's if you had pity, uh, God's asking, or compassion or love for this plant, should you not have more care for the souls of people? Uh, Jonah was a man of God. He told people the word of God. He knew what his position was. He did it before. He was uh, once or so in scripture has mentioned his name other than the book of Jonah. But we know that he was a man of God and God used him to go out to other places and tell them the word of God because God wanted to have compassion on those people. And maybe there's a time in Jonah's life, we don't know, but just looking at human nature in general, there's probably a time in Jonah's life that he really cared for the souls of mankind. But something happened in his life to make him this far against God and this bitter uh, and this uh, uh, you know, mindset that he would just rather die than continue doing anything for God anymore. Uh, and so something happened and changed. And God, we find him now at that point in his life and wondering, What's going to happen next? Well, God is trying to fix that, trying to help Jonah understand that there's some bad decisions, and he used to care for souls, but now he doesn't. And he's saying, do you care more for this plant than you do for the souls of mankind? I mean, I was going to destroy the entire city and everything in it, and you're griping and complaining about this little plant. And it seems so trivial, but he's trying to get the attention of Jonah and put it on his perspective like you're not seeing the whole picture here. You're looking at it wrong. I'm having mercy on the entire city and all the souls that are in it, and you are you don't care at all about that, but you get mad and upset about this plant. Now, God, from his side, says, if I have pity on you about Jonah, should I not also have pity on all mankind and my creation? I even have care and love for the innocent cattle I created. He's saying here, should I not spare Nineveh, that great city wherein there are more than six score thousand persons or 120,000 people that cannot discern between their right hand and their left and also much cattle? See, we forget sometimes God created everything in this world, even the cattle, even the things that we see, the fish in the sea. The, the, the animals that roam around. And God cares about every one of them. He cares about us more because we have the living spirit of God within us. And God's soul, because of what he breathed in mankind, it separated us from man and animal. But he still cares about his whole creation. And, you know, sometimes we look at uh, how it's somehow the world, that's the religious or non fearing world um, believes that we have to spare and save this planet and the environment and everything 
And God cares more about his planet, his environment than we do. Uh, and he has a plan in mind. And if, this, if he wants this planet to survive another five years, it'll be over in five years. If he wants this planet to survive 50 million years, it will survive 50 million years. It doesn't matter what we do. God's, it's God's creation. He cares about it all. He cares about the souls of man and the cattle and the animals. Psalm 36.6 says, Thy righteousness is like, a great, uh, like the great mountains. Thy judgment are deep, great deep. O Lord, thou preservest man and beast. Matthew 10, 29 says, Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing, and one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father? He knows about every bird that's out there that he created. He knows exactly what's happening to them. God knows everything, and God cares about everything. And he's trying to show Jonah, I care about all those people and everything in the land there that I created, and yet, uh, you're wanting to die because this plant that I gave you is gone, and now you're mad about it because you're mad at me. And that's where it goes back to. God's point, you, you're mad at me because I spared the city and everything in it, and now you're mad about that. It's not necessarily about the gourd. It's about you're still mad at me, and because I had mercy on a city, you're, you're still upset because the people are not going to be destroyed and die like Sodom and Gomorrah and are all going to be wiped away. You're never going to see that city again. That's exactly what God was going to do to that place because of his wickedness. And God has the right to do that because he's a just God. And when evil continues to stay evil and, and gets to the point where it passes God's uh, uh, ability to just, you know, just have any more mercy on them, he is going to destroy them off the face of the earth. He's done it before, he'll do it again. Uh, but he spares the city. So uh, the book ends with a question, which is very odd. But when you look at it from God's perspective, it makes sense. So he asks that question and also much cattle, and then the book's over. That's, that's all that's written. So, well, no additional information is given about Jonah and what happened next. I mean, we don't see him in scriptures later and what happened next. We don't see any reference to him until we get to the New Testament. There's just, we don't know what happened. And we want to know, well, fill me in on the end, Lord. I want to know what happened. I mean, what happened? Did he get right? Did he repent? Did he die? You know, <laughs> I want to know the rest of the story. And... Uh, it seems like the story has no end, but the message is for us today. First of all, here's the questions that God's asking because this is, he ends in the question, so we look at this. Do we care about others more than ourselves? I mean, that's, that's the root problem with Jonah. Is he stopped caring about others and started caring about himself more, and he forgot about everybody else. The second question is, are we willing to tell others, even our enemies, because that's what Nineveh was to Jonah, about the salvation of God so they can be saved? I mean, are we at the point in our life that we are just so disgruntled and so upset and so angry that we could care less if anybody go, dies and goes to hell or not, especially those we don't like? We kind of would prefer them to die and go to hell 
And God's saying we should have mercy on everybody, even our enemies. Even those people we don't like, we should still pray for, like he tells us, to pray for our enemies. We should still pray for them because God can still have mercy on them even though they're doing you wrong. We look at the other verses, you know, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. Uh, those are the people that just never get right with God. God gives them an opportunity to get saved. God has mercy on them just like anybody else. God wants them to repent, but they refuse to, and God will bring the vengeance on them because of their refusal and rejection. But it's not up to us to do it. We should be praying for everyone, even our enemies, that they get saved and get right with God. And are we doing that? So that question that... is asked to Jonah, it's the same question being asked to us. Do we, are we willing that, to tell others about the salvation of God so they can be saved? Do, number three, do we find ourselves getting angry at God and blaming Him for all our mishaps in life? You know, sometimes we can do that. I mean, uh, when you're coming to church and uh, something crazy happens and, you know, I've had, all, you know, as a parent, everything happens when, you're, when you have kids and you know, and but I'm sure this happened to y'all before. You know, you get you get up early, you get everybody ready, you can get them all dressed, you get all breakfast and everything, and just about to head out the door, and one of the kids say, "I don't feel good." Oh no, you know what's coming next? <laughs> they're gonna spew over everything, and now oh, they're all messed up. And now you gotta go back and uh, get them in the shower and get them clean and change all their clothes. And now you're running late. And now you go, you know, you run into, uh, and then of course you're gonna catch a train. Every single time you're going to catch that train out here. Uh, that's, and you're going to be behind every slow driver, uh, every broken down vehicle, and you're just never going to get to your destination. And, and all that can start building up and bothering us if we allow it to. But we can't uh, allow the things that happen in our life to, to, to make us angry people. We, we're not, God didn't build us that way. That's how it's rejoice evermore. I mean, he, he wants you to be rejoicing all the time. He's not saying you're going to be happy all the time. He's saying rejoice evermore. Be thankful. Be happy in everything that God does in your life, whether you understand it or not. Let God do his thing, and let's just move on with life. And you have a lot less stress if you'll just let God handle it, regardless of what happens, whatever comes up. We can plan a little better. We can make better decisions in our life. We can try to influence our day so it actually comes out better than if we made horrible decisions that day. But if things do go wrong or right in our life, let God handle it and let's just move on. There's no reason to get mad about it and get upset because then we'll start pointing our finger back to God. Uh, one, two, three, number four. If we do not get, if we if we do get angry at God, is there still mercy and forgiveness for us? Yes, there is. We can always come back to God. Now, I've met <clears throat> people in this situation, too. They, they know they did wrong. They know they got out of the will of God. They know they need to get back with God, but they never do. They don't why? Because they don't feel like God will accept them again because of all their bad decisions and things that happen in life, and that's not the way God works. If he's willing to have mercy on the Ninevites, which were just horrible, wicked, cruel terrorists that happened that were around in that land that just took over other countries and mutilated people and and uh, just uh, hung them out and beat them to death and the whole community can see and they're just 
evil, wicked people and God can have mercy on them, he'll have mercy on you too. And he'll receive you back as well if you're willing, if we make that decision and come back to God. So our book, our book that God's writing on our life is not finished either. How will it end for us? Will our hearts change? That's what we need to ask ourselves. We don't need to know what happened to Jonah after this point. We don't need to know how long he stayed on that hill. Did he go back home? Did he get right with God? But because we have an open chapter in our own life, God's waiting to, for, to fill in depending on how we respond and what we do in our own hearts. So I hope and pray that the book of Jonah and, and a whole book of Jonah is really a help to show us the theme of God is that he wants everyone to repent. He doesn't want anyone to perish. He cares about everyone and everything on this planet that he created. He cares about it all. Even though it looks like he's not intervening when we think he should, he's not showing himself like we think he should, he, things aren't going like we think they should go, we don't understand all the times the plan of God, the power of God, the blessings from God, the direction of God, but we don't need to. We just need to follow God, be faithful in what he called us to do, be obedient servants to God, and let God handle the rest of it. It's all going to come to pass just like the book is written. Everything that happens in the future that's written in Revelation is going to happen regardless of what you decide to do. It is going to happen. It's already been recorded. God just wants you to be faithful and obedient in his plan and let him worry about the rest. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time we had here today. Thank you for the book of Jonah. Thank you for the study. Thank you for all that you taught us from it. May you receive the glory and praise always and bless the rest of our services. In Jesus' name, amen. Donut.
All right, let's go ahead and get started this morning. Thank you for being here. We're going to start off in a word of prayer. If you can stand with me, if you would, please, if you can, or if you want to come to the altar and pray with us, let's start off in prayer as always. So we know that God is needed and wanted. We want his presence, and we need him to speak to us and help us today, that we can know more about him, that we can be more like him every day. Uh, Brother uh, Joe starts off. Brother um, Ed closes. Let's pray together.
Let's remain standing as we look at our choruses uh, in our little booklets. Or you know this one, the family of God. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. Let's sing that together. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. I've been washed in the fountain, cleansed by his blood. books please to page number 31 he lives number 31 over to page number 29, just two pages back, at the cross, number 29, let's sing on the first verse, shake hands. Shake hands. 
23, there is power in the blood. Number 23. 